0: You are listening to the next best picture podcast, and this is our review of Bohemian Rhapsody. Is this the real life?
1: Is this just fantasy?
0: No escape from reality. I enjoyed the show. I also write songs. Uh lead singer, just quit. And then you'll need someone new. I love the way you move on stage. The whole room belongs to you. Don't you see what you could be? No one will play us on the radio. We need to get experimental. Thunderbolt and lightning, very, very
1: frightening. Do it again.
0: Galileo. One more. How many more Galileos do
1: you want? Roger, there's only room in this band for one hysterical queen. Mark these words. No one will play a queen. Fortune favors the bold. Freddie, concerning your private life. What more do you need to know? I make music. I want to give the audience a song that they can perform. What's the lyric? Ready, Freddy? Let's do it. You need to slow down, Fred.
0: I just need a bit of time. What if I don't have time?
1: All, legends. all right, everyone, you were just
0: listening to the trailer for Bohemian Rhapsody, and the story is as follows. Bohemian Rhapsody is a biographical look at the rock group Queen, with a particular emphasis on lead singer Freddie Mercury, as he joins the group, helps to create Queen's sound, deals with fame, explores his sexuality, and contracts AIDS. The film is starring Rami Malek, Lucy Boynton, Gwilym Lee, Alan Leach, and Mike Myers. It is directed by Brian Singer. Written by Anthony McCartan. Join me for this review, I have Josh Parm. Hello, hello. And Tom O'Brien.
2: Hey, everybody.
0: So, Bohemian Rhapsody. A film that I feel like we've been hearing a lot about for a very long time, because let's just say that the production behind this movie is
2: somewhat troubled. Yeah, there's definitely been a couple things in the news uh, that has plagued this production for sure. <laughs> But we finally have
0: a final product here. We have a movie about Freddie Mercury that is out in theaters. It's a movie that, surprisingly, is also not so much just about Freddie Mercury, but about Queen as a whole, which... I suppose it's fine. You know, I I, I think a lot of people were hoping for a Freddie Mercury movie more so than anything. Um, But I think the film strikes a good enough balance between featuring the other members of the band and having an emphasis on Freddie Mercury as well as the focal point of this movie. But enough about, you know, what I think about it. Let's head it over to what you both think about it. Tom, your review is the one that's up on the site. Why don't you tell everybody what you ultimately thought of Bohemian Rhapsody?
1: Well, Matt, I was so excited when I first saw the trailer to this. You know, when you all you need to do is hear that stomp, stomp, clap, stomp, stomp, clap, and you know, okay, I'm here, I'm on board. And once the uh, pre credit uh, live aids, live Aid, uh, music uh, concert started, uh, I was like, okay, this is fine. And then it wishes back to uh, 1970s where Freddie Mercury, who was uh, not Freddie quite yet, was a, uh, a baggage handler at uh, Heathrow. And it, as it pl- began to play out in the most conventional way possible, uh, the smile just left my face. It's like, oh, my God, it's going to be one of these. And then I wrote kind of movie biographies and uh it never it never changed throughout it just seemed very very safe and very very pat and for queen who i love to uh, who was who were so unconventional in approaching what constitutes an album what constitutes a single it can be six minutes and still be a smash hit to have such a boring conventional movie about their life just seems like a missed opportunity
0: yeah, you know that seems to be the common criticism. I think, and that's something that I feel as well. I'm just curious, though. What did you ultimately hope that the movie would be instead?
1: I really hoped that they might be taking some chances in the narrative, uh, whether it is flash forwards or flashbacks, but not so linear as what the movie the movie that has finally been released in theaters. I was looking for something that would keep me on the edge of my seat, even though, for the most part, we all know what, what happened. But this film doesn't do that. It's It becomes a long slog to um, Freddie's uh, AIDS diagnosis. And, uh, yeah, there's great songs along the way, and they made the very smart decision to have – Rami Malik, who we'll get to in a second, lip sync, because nobody sounds like Freddie Mercury, and I don't think anybody ever will. Uh, so that the, the Queen illusion, uh, the music illusion, is preserved. But the, uh, uh, the the narrative is just so very unlike Queen, because it's so, so pat and so, so easy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I kind of know what you mean there. Josh, what about you?
2: Well, Tom, I really just 100% agree with you, especially your assessment on just how conventional this movie feels, and I think that's the biggest problem with it. This is a movie that feels like it has learned nothing about the state of musical biopics in the last like 15 years. It it feels like a film that could have existed right along like Ray and Walk the Line, and those are, you know, they're fine movies for sure, but they're very traditional in their storytelling and I
0: would say they were better they are better than this honestly
2: they are they are better than this but they exist sort of in the same kind of atmosphere that this movie takes place in and it it, it follows a very similar trajectory of you know the humble beginnings slow rise to fame you know the the difficulties along the way that you find and there's just nothing in that narrative that ever breaks free from that. And so you're just seeing a very conventional story that we have seen kind of played out in similar uh, subjects before without ever really getting to something interesting about this central character in Freddie Mercury. And that to me was really the most frustrating thing about it. Despite there being some really good performances here, none of it can ever escape just how dull (laughs) this story is. And that just sort of kills all momentum it attempts to get going with some of the scenes and with some of these performances.
0: Now I, I want to be clear about this too, because one thing that I kind of felt was brewing about this movie before I even saw it was because it was directed by Brian Singer.
2: Well, kind of directed by Brian.
0: Yeah, kind of exactly. He, he did get fired uh, mid mid production and was replaced by uh, Dexter Fletcher, who was brought in to complete the film I kind of got the feeling that we, you know, people who watch movies, critique them, review them, I feel like we had our knives sharpened. Like, we were already gunning for this movie in a sort of way. And it's like, though, as if we almost didn't want it to succeed. I'm not saying that that's totally true, but it, it kind of felt that way. So I went into this with a uh, expectation of, You know, let let me let me let me try to enjoy this. Let me let me see if I can find something that I can like about this. And I did walk away with two feelings. One is Rami Malik is sensational as the sensational Freddie Mercury. And his performance, I would actually say is worth the price of admission alone. Like There's not many people I would recommend this movie to necessarily um, because you're both right. It is very standard. It's kind of boring, to tell you the truth, as a result of which. But if you're going to see it for any reason, see it for Rami Malek. I have never seen him be this dynamic, this assured, this just magnetic. Like his onstage presence... The physicality of how he captures Freddie Mercury is just outstanding. And then the second thing is, if you're a fan of Queen's music, this movie is probably going to work for you. Because I do think that it does um, give you everything that you want as a fan of Queen's music. Maybe not... From a movie perspective, but if you just love the music and you want to see the songs play out and see them play out over across a bunch of montages and stuff, and you know, <laughs> for the hell of it, why not? We're going to show you an entire concert at the end of the film, unedited, unbroken, like just played out in real time. I mean, what more could you ask for?
2: Yeah. I, the only thing about that, though, is like if you are a fan of Queen, yes, this is probably going to be a movie that indulges on just a lot of kind of base emotions that you want to see. And definitely the concert at the end is like the big centerpiece that the movie is kind of, you know, sort of building to. And it is well executed in that regard. At the same time, I also just sort of feel like you could just watch the concert footage, (laughs) you know? And that, that would give you the exact same amount of emotion, if not more so, because then you have the real people singing it. And, you know... I just feel like, yes, this movie does provide some good things about, you know, just sort of information if you want that more about Queen. But I don't know. Mm, if it provides. I don't
0: even know if that's accurate because this movie plays pretty loose with the facts.
2: Well, I think more so just in regards that like if you just want to see dramatizations of Queen and their interactions and if you're a huge fan of the band, that'll give you that. But they're not interesting. They're not, you know, I don't think particularly revelatory, whether completely fabricated or not. And I think you could get more by just watching concert footage and documentary interviews than you could get more out of that than you could watching this movie.
1: I I really kind of put the blame on the screenwriter, Anthony McCartan. Uh, He is kind of. His specialty is uh, British biographies. Uh, he did the uh, Stephen Hawking, where he wrote The Theory of Everything. And last year, he wrote uh, the Winston Churchill bio, Darkest Hour. Now, I was not the biggest fan of Darkest Hour, but at least that had the wisdom to uh, tell the Churchill story around a specific incident so that everything was compressed and you can really focus on uh, what uh, was happening to Churchill at that particular moment of time, much the same way that Tony Kushner did for Lincoln. Mm-hmm. This, however, just is is just kind of mush. It, it tells the story of Freddie Mercury's involvement in Queen from beginning to end with ridiculous coincidences. And it just seems that the let's tell it all uh, approach to it just made it far less potent than it otherwise could have been.
2: Mm, Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that, Tom. That's usually been the way that a lot of biopics these days have tried to get around the stale formula. They'll pick one event and try to work all these other themes sort of around that event. But this one just takes the traditional route of basically from beginning to end. And there's just not a lot of creativity that you can do in that regard. And this movie certainly doesn't take any of those chances.
0: Uh, one thing I, I I did like, actually, I I will say this, with the exception of one scene in particular, and it's the uh, Q and A scene with the press. I think this movie is shot very well by Newton Thomas Siegel. I really really dug the high key hazy, you know, lens flare lighting that was going on in this movie that provided a very warm look to it. Um, But man, like that one scene with the press, uh, the editing, the sound, the fisheye, out of focus, like that that scene was just a mess. I I got a headache practically watching it, I felt like at times.
2: Yeah, well, I think that that scene does have the intention of making you feel uncomfortable because Freddy is uncomfortable in that moment. But it's also just not executed very well just on an like an emotional and thematic standpoint either because it feels sloppy and not cohesive in a good way and I I agree with you that sequence also just feels like you know how many times have we seen the press conference where it's confrontational moment with the rock star and again just not interesting in the way that it's developed at all.
0: Well let me ask you this question what what was maybe say for you if there was any, what was the most interesting part of this movie for you? And let, let's say, let, let's even try to get, get this more narrow. Let's say outside of Rami Malek's performance.
1: Well, I was very interested in the fact that they spent so much time um, with uh, Freddie's wife. Yeah. Initially, I had, I because I really didn't know very much about that. Uh, but uh, the, initially I thought, Oh, gosh, they're going to make this, you know, it's all going to be kind of all emphasizing the heterosexual relationship that he had to make the audience more comfortable. Well, it actually, Lucy Boynton is so good in this. And I did, I found myself kind of, I didn't know this. And it was one of the sections of the film that that really surprised me.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to see Lucy Boynton pop up in more movies. I really, really like her in uh, Sink Street. And she's beginning some work this year, a little under the radar with things like Apostle, and she was also in The Murder on the Orient Express last year. And she, you know, to me, she and the rest of the other members of the cast are just serviceable to me. Yeah, like no no one's like bad. I, I I think maybe the only person that you could say that gives maybe a bad performance in this, but that's because it's so tongue-in-cheek might be Mike Myers yeah. as the oh, um,
2: gosh, so terrible
0: oh yeah because because I think it is supposed to be terrible to be honest with you it, it's I uh, yeah I don't I, I'm, I'm very very mixed on it but out you know maybe outside of him everyone else is just there you know what I mean
2: Yeah, Yeah, which is funny because, you know, kind of outside of the film, we've heard stories about how the surviving members of Queen wanted a lot more creative control over this production. And it's sort of funny to have that in your mind and then watch the movie. And it's still pretty much all just about Freddie Mercury. And you don't get a sense of any of these other band members. You know, I remember that there's like a couple instances where like the notion of infidelity comes up. And I think it's Is it Roger, who, like, they keep mentioning that he might have had affairs, but it's never really explored at all? And so, like, yeah, everybody else just fades into the background, and it really is just Freddie's story, which, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, that's what we kind of want to see, but then why even bring up anybody else? It seems nobody else has any importance outside of this one character.
0: I mean, props to uh, Joseph Mazzello, who like in other movies that he appears in, he has, to me, some of the funniest facial expression reactions (laughs) to things happening around him. I remember this distinctly about him in The Social Network because he was a background character and that that wasn't really a major speaking role, but he just always had the funniest, funniest like reactions to everything that's happening around him. And as um, the bassist in this movie, John Deacon, Um, I I got the same thing here. Like, every time he was on screen, I was always watching what he was doing. Meanwhile, Gwilym Lee, who plays Brian May, and uh, Ben Hardy as Roger Taylor, they're just, there's nothing about their performances that ever drew my attention to them to say, wow, like, they're really standing out.
1: Well, it's become very noticeable uh, in some uh, reactions to it that, Queen is was very much involved with the production. And I'm just wondering whether there's some distortion of history, whether the Queen members wanted to shift the focus a little back to them being the good guys. I mean, there's a couple of scenes where uh, the other members of Queen are partying. And uh, then when Freddie comes in, he really wants to take the party up to the next level. And there's some grumbling by the Queen Uh, the other queen members just saying, oh no, we've got to get back to our wife and kids. I was like, really? Do you really have to present yourself that way?
0: Well, it's very weird because the movie almost plays it off like they're uncomfortable with Freddy's sexuality and overt behavior and extreme, uh, lifestyle that he's living. And this all kind of comes together in a scene that I really, really hated where, um, Freddie kind of lashes out at them and says, you know, you all have wives and kids, what do I have? And I'm like, what? I I don't, I don't understand. Like, I, I understand that the movie's trying to explore this theme of his identity, right? Because it goes back to his heritage, um, his onstage persona, how he was uh, offstage, and his sexuality. You know, that's what the movie's trying to explore here, but... You know, it almost the film at times, and it's so weird because Brian Singer is, uh, Brian Singer is outwardly gay, and I just don't understand like why the movie portrayed this aspect of Freddie's life as a negative thing instead of embracing it. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that's definitely something that I picked up on is watching it. And you know, the first half of the movie, he's with, um, you know, he's married to a woman. And while I did appreciate that we got that relationship to be very, you know, thoughtfully considered, what ends up happening in the second half when he is, you know, more comfortable in his sexuality and who he is, it's the turning point in his character where he suddenly goes down this downward spiral and is surrounding himself with people that aren't good for him. And whether intentional or not on the movie's part, it is this weird representation of like, here was the happy domestic life you had, and then once you abandoned that, that's when things started to go really bad for this guy. And, you know, it, it's a really strange thing for the movie to seemingly embrace about somebody who wanted to just be freer for himself, and yet that decision kind of led to a lot of uh, pitfalls in his life.
1: Yeah, the, uh, my initial concern about the film b- before having seen it was that it would try and de gay uh, Freddie the way other uh, musical biographies have. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure what we see here is necessarily better. Mm, uh, yeah. Gay life is presented as a series of truck stops. Or, you know, leather boys coming by and, 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 and orgies. And I have nothing against orgies. I like a perfectly good orgy. But <laughs> that, that, that's, yeah. and it, yes, it was a different time. But nonetheless, <laughs> to, to, to depict uh, gay life strictly in that, that sense, it, it is, just seems like it's, it's giving what was a very important part of his life, very short, negative shrift and it And it may just have been that it happened this way, and finally, at the very end, we find we are introduced to someone who gives Freddie some meaning in his in 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 his uh life as a gay man, but it's too little too late,
0: yeah, that relationship is not explored enough at all
2: mm-hmm. yeah i I agree with you, Tom, and I think the reason why those problems in the second half feel even worse is because they are compared to his relative bliss in the first half when he was identifying as heterosexual. So when you get to him embracing gay culture and seeing these you know these endless parties and this you know toxic relationship that he's having with this other guy, the first time we see him having a decent relationship or any kind of relationship with another man and it being treated so poorly, you know that kind of sends this message that is very rather unsettling when when you're watching it.
0: It's not the movie, in my opinion, that Freddie Mercury deserved.
2: No, it, no. I mean, even the, the party scenes, even themselves, looked very safe and PG thirteen like. You know, it's like they were complaining about how large and uh, rambunctious the parties were, and it looked relatively tame to me.
1: It, it's basically a chaste kiss now and then, and that's about it. Not that I'm necessarily, you know, crying out for a you know a, a really hard sex scene. it, it Given the, the middle this, of most of the rest of the uh, movie it might have been out of place, but nonetheless,
0: not to mention they probably would have just not done with a degree of taste. I'm sure, you know, yeah, <laughs> so, I, I, I just feel like everything is so improperly handled in this movie that had they have gone all the way, given us like an R rated version of this movie, I just I, I shudder at the thought of it. Actually, it's the truth.
2: Well, with this creative team, I think especially handling it, I don't think that would have been anywhere near as successful as maybe they would have wanted it to. And I think that this is a team that wanted to play this material very safe. And I can understand that. But in doing so, they sacrifice a lot of interesting character moments and revelations uh, in order to just be as broad as possible, and you end up getting a story that's very bland,
0: Tom, uh, finish your thought. I'm sorry, I cut you off before. No, no
1: not a worry. I, it, it It's just that I'm just so sad that with this being a hit and it, in the, and it's projected to uh, earn uh, around fifty million dollars this weekend, uh, it a, a good Freddie Mercury movie will now never be made.
0: Yeah, no, that is true. And and then I guess it all goes back to this very interesting question that I thought about a lot when uh, Venom was released earlier this year, which is these are the movies that make money. These are the movies that do well. And I I sometimes have to ask myself, are we like the odd ones for uh, criticizing and, and, you know, I just, I'm really, really perplexed that, the, that because they played it safe, that that is what guarantees success. And as a result of which, forevermore, we'll probably say that this movie was not the movie that Freddie Mercury deserved. It's not that great. And there will be millions of people who see this movie and turn around and say, you're out of your mind. Yeah, that man, movie I- was fantastic.
1: I'm already getting that in, uh, responses to my next best picture review. Uh, let's see. I called, uh, I called the movie a toothless wonder. So someone wrote in and said, I'm a brainless wonder. And uh, and someone someone else uh, said that I'm a a big whiner because I didn't get the movie that uh, I wanted to see. So there are passionate uh, 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 Queen fans out there, I suspect, who haven't seen the movie yet. But they feel very, very strongly about uh, defending this material. So, you know, that's... And it, it turned out to have an A cinema score from audiences this week. So audiences seem to respond to it. And it may be that the three of us, having seen it separately... have come to the same conclusion, we may be the odd ducks out.
2: Yeah, I mean, when I went to see this movie, um, the audience was very responsive to it. They were laughing at all the right moments. They seemed to be getting into the music. And, you know, it plays for a mass general audience, but I think it plays for an audience that has, you know, not seen as many movies as we have, and certainly not as many musical biopics as as we have. And, you know... for us, that's frustrating to see a movie that doesn't take any chances like that. But for a general audience that just wants to see a movie about this band and, you know, hear the music and be entertained for the, you know, two hours that that's enough. And, and there's a place for that. And if you're happy with this movie and the way that it turned out, you know, all the more power to you. It's just that for, you know, I, I think we could speak collect, I think I can speak collectively on this is that we were just hoping for something with a little bit more perspective to it than just something that kind of played to a formula that we've already become very familiar with.
0: Okay. And now thoughts on Rami Malek. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> if the, if, he, if he, if the movie surrounding him was even partially good, he could have been a major, major Oscar contender. Not to mention it. if, it was as good as his performance, he would be a very much an Oscar winner.
0: I actually still think he has a shot to be honest with you, because this to me screams something like Brian Cranston and Trumbo, uh, where it's like the movie around him. is isn't good to your point, but there's a certain star quality to, you know, the lead and, uh, just, I mean, Rami Malek is so well liked within the industry. I, I, I'm not completely writing him off yet. I have him hovering around the fifth to seventh spot in my predictions right now, which means that, yeah, he could crack the lineup, I think, still.
1: Yeah, I think that, uh, I have him in seventh right now, but the success of the picture and the, uh, audience response to it from the cinema score, may may very well be reflected in the academy's membership responding the same way in which case where there is a fifth slot available he could do it uh it would it would be a shame that um he's tied to a movie that is not that great but uh he'll be an oscar nominee if he makes it through yeah Mm -hmm. what do you think josh
2: Uh, he's very good in the movie. Uh, I do think that I responded to his performance a little bit more in the second half than I did in the first. Um, and I think that might just be because, I mean, I have issues with the whole movie not being very interesting, but I think Freddie Mercury as a character becomes a little bit more interesting in the second half, but all throughout, yeah, he definitely has a very charming and magnetic personality and you're definitely drawn to him in every scene. Um, far and away he is the best thing about this movie and it would not shock me at all if people wanted to reward him with the nomination for this i think especially because he is so well liked and the movie itself is kind of getting beaten up but everybody who comes out of it says you know even if they don't like it rami malek is good and that might be something to say like you know we kind of feel bad that you gave a great performance in a not so good movie so let's kind of reward you for your efforts in that regard
0: He's also like at the right time of his career, and also at the right age, where I could see like the first nomination coming through for him. It, it you know, it, it's interesting because like I, I was, I was saying this the other day. I think this might go down potentially. I got to like think back a little bit, probably, but this might go down as the best performance in a bad movie. I think I've seen this year.
1: Boy, yeah, o- off the top of my head, I, I think you're right.
2: It yeah. seems seems like it, yeah.
0: So there is something to be said there. I mean, with the teeth and the accent and, as I said before, the stage presence, he may not be singing Freddie Mercury's uh, lines, but he is completely in- inhabiting them and living them out. in the way that he's able, in those concert scenes, to hold the crowd and, by extension, us, the audience, in the palm of his hand – the same way that Freddie Mercury did. I mean, it it really is something magical what he what he does in this movie. I I think at least.
2: Yeah, it's a really solid performance. It is definitely the best thing about the movie. You like I said, you cannot just take your eyes off of him while he's on screen. He is really really good in the film for sure.
0: All right, so let's uh, pass it over to great out of ten and any Oscar potential. Uh, Tom, we'll start with you. What would be your grade out of ten?
1: If Malik wasn't in it, I'd give it a 2. Uh, but I because of his performance, I'd probably up it to a two 4. Oh, okay. And Oscar potential on the bubble. But uh, I'm I'm with you guys. I would not be surprised if it came through because he's that good. Mm-hmm. Josh?
2: I think I am also at a 4 out of 10. And 90% of that is because of Rami Malik. Uh, his performance helps guide you through a lot of the you know, dull bits of this movie for which there are quite numerous uh, spots of them. Uh, I think without him, this movie would just be a complete disaster. Um, So yeah, that's sort of where I'm sitting at right now with with my score. I think that he is the best chance of an Oscar nomination. I think that there could be enough goodwill to form around him to push him through to a nomination. I think some of the crafts could maybe... Push through maybe the sound because, you know, musicals, sound, yeah. musicals tend to do well. But I think there's a lot of good contenders in the sound categories this year that might be difficult for a movie that's not very well liked. Uh, I think that it's sort of I think that it's going to be a mallet bust with this movie.
0: Yeah, um, I, I'm with both of you. I'm at a four out of ten on this movie. And as far as like, the Oscar potential is concerned, I did start to wonder while watching it if the sound mixing was a contender or not because for all the reasons that we said a star was born could get in, this could equally get into sound mixing. I feel like for the exact same reasons on a, on a craft level, at least yeah, you know, it, the movie is a different could. story.
2: It definitely could, but usually it's rare to have more than one musical pop into that category. And you know, you've got this and maybe even Mary Poppins might make a play with that too. So, I think that category is going to be tougher than usual for a movie like Bohemian Rhapsody to make it in.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. You know, another thing I could also foresee with Malik and his trajectory is I could see a world where Malik gets uh, BAFTA nomination, SAG nomination, uh, but he ends up missing the Oscar, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, either way, I think he is definitely in play. And I don't see a scenario where he doesn't show up at one of the major precursors, the uh, Golden Globe. I know that they're going drama with this. I think that's a mistake.
1: Um, but hey, whatever. From
2: an <laughs> awards perspective, yeah, that's a mistake.
1: At the very least, I think Malik is is this is this is going to uh, jet start his career. Um, he's like. The people who, like for example, Michael J. Fox became a movie star with Back to the Future. I think that he he can become a movie star with this and Mm -hmm. be fascinated to see what his next move is going to be after this.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Why don't we close it out with where they can find you on the Internet and what is your favorite Queen song? So, Josh, Uh,
2: you can find me on Twitter at Jr. Parham. And I think my favorite Queen song is Another One Bites the Dust.
1: All right, Tom. Um, you can reach me on the internet and see me at uh, at and Twitter at, at Thomas E. O'Brien. And I just am a sucker for that bass line on Another One Bites the Dust. So count nice. me in there, too.
2: You're good people, Tom. <laughs> and
1: you can find me at Next Best Picture. Uh, my favorite
0: Queen song is, ooh, you know what? This is actually tougher than I thought it was going to be. Um, I think it's Don't Stop Me Now. Probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, I really, really love that song. And that's a great karaoke song, too.
2: (laughs) I mean, there's so many good ones. You know, it's hard to pick a bad Queen song.
1: No, absolutely. But but it's hard to do uh, Queen and Karaoke. Oh, no.
0: (laughs) Let me me tell you something. If you're going to do Queen and Karaoke, you got to go for it. There is no (laughs) meeting it halfway.
2: (laughs) And I imagine a lot of liquid courage.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well. Like I said, next best picture, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and now on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. And if you're feeling generous, head on over to Patreon where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always. We shall see you all next time.